Good morning, good morning. Are we live, Mary Pierre? Yes. So um, it's my great pleasure to be with you again this morning, Melanie Miller. I've been selling Tupperware now for 14 years. And uh, Maria is down in Florida and asked me to uh, fill in for her. And this is my second day. Um, and I want to just remind you that we have been looking at um, uh, what has been going on with the paradigms of interdependence. And we've been studying particularly the emotional bank account and how can you make deposits into the um, emotional bank account by doing things like uh, understanding the individual, attending to the little things, uh, keeping commitments, clarifying expectations we talked about yesterday, sharing personal integrity, showing personal integrity, and apologizing when you make a withdrawal from somebody's emotional uh, bank account. But today we're going to move on to something that uh, Covey calls the laws of love and the laws of life. And uh, Marie Pierre is going to give you now a little bit of an explanation about what those things are. And then I'm going to hopefully follow that up with some examples that you will all uh, be able to identify with. Over to you, Marie Pierre. Thank you, Nani. <laughs> so before I start, I want to make sure. Oh, I think there's somewhere <laughs> at your house, Nani. <laughs> I see you. It's perfect. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So, yes, before I start with the law of love and law of life, I want to make sure that everyone share the podcast this morning. So, if you are on Podbean, of course, you want to share because it gives you more hearts. And at the end of the month, we do a draw uh, with everyone get hot, get got hearts during the month for our conditioning program. And on Facebook, of course, we want to always share because it uh, help us to uh, grow our our community that always level up and we have the vision to build a thousand millionaire so it will be with your help that we grow organically and not just because we want to pay on social media to be more visible no no it has to be organic so we have the kind of people that want to always level up with us so let's go in the subject of laws of love and laws of life so when we make the deposit, just like we talked about yesterday and last week, the kind of deposit of un unconditional love, when we live the primary law of love, we encourage others to live the primary laws of life. 
So the primary laws of love are acceptance rather than rejection, understanding rather than judgment, and participation rather than manipulation. So living this law is a proactive choice that is not based on, on others' behavior or not on a social status, educational attainment, wealth, reputation, or any other factor except the intrinsic worth of human being. So in other words, when we truly love others without condition, without strings, we help them feel secure and safe and validate and affirm in their essential, essential worth, identity, and integrity. So their natural growth. Oh, Kendra, I can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's okay. <laughs> so their natural growth process is encouraged, and we make it easier for them to live the laws of life. That is cooperation, contribution, self-discipline, integrity, and to discover and live true to the highest and best within them. So we give them the freedom to act on their own inner imperative rather than react to our condition and limitation. This does not mean we become permissive or soft. That itself is a massive withdrawal. We console, we plead when we set limits and consequences but we love reg regardless. So when we viol violate the, the primary laws of love, when we attach string and condition to that gift, we actually encourage others to violate the primary laws of life. So sometimes when people are struggling with a loved one and doing everything they can to lead that person towards what they feel is a responsible course, it's very easy to fall into the trap of living the secondary or counterfeit laws of love, judgment, rejection, and manipulation. They love the end in mind more than they love the person. They love conditionally. So in other words, they use love to manipulate and control. As a result, other feel reject and fight to stay the same. But when you deeply accept and love people as they are, you actually encourage them to become better. By accepting people, you're not condoning their weaknesses or agreeing with their opinion. You're simply affirming their intrinsic worth. You acknowledge that they think what they think or feel in a particular way. You're freeing them of the need to defend and protect themselves. So instead of wasting their energy defending, defending themselves, they are able to focus on interacting with their own conscience and unleashing their growth potential. So by loving people unconditionally, you unleash their natural power to become the better self. And you can only do this when you separate the person from the behavior and believe the, in the unseen potential. And I know Melanie have a lot of examples of that in her family. So she will explain with some example. I will. And um, Marie-Pierre, thank you for that introduction. And I think anybody who has had children or has had parents, which is all of us, um, we have experienced some, for, so, some form of conditional or unconditional love. And 
I, you know, something like leapt out to me. I was going to tell you the story that Stephen Covey told in the book. And if we get time, I'll tell you that as well. But there were so many things leaping out to me as Marie-Pierre was describing that. I've sort of changed my mind a little bit about what I'm going to say this morning. Um, and one of the things that Marie-Pierre said is that unconditional love is the difference between acceptance and rejection. And um, those of you that know me well, you will know that my oldest child, uh, Violet, was born Joseph. And um, in Joseph's life, he went through many uh, sort of stages of, mom, I think I'm gay. And so we, you know, totally accepted him, embraced him and everything. And then, um, you know, the day where he says, you know, mom, I'm not happy in my body and this came after an attempted suicide and as a parent uh, that is the last thing you want from your child because you cannot understand why they would need to go to that level and you know even though uh, now we are totally accepting of, of uh, Violet and um, she is flourishing, she's having, uh, she has now a relationship with a girl, uh, which is also like, I, I have to tell you that my, uh, my youngest child, Susie, said to one day, okay, so mum, you mean my gay brother is now my lesbian sister? And, you know, Susie is probably one of the most accepting people and uh, totally loves everybody unconditionally. And in fact, we call her the leech in the family because she just like clings on when, uh, you know, everybody arrives or leaves. And, and that's something that we encourage the kids to do from a young age. But accepting somebody for who they are is is not always easy for people and whenever people say to me how how can you you know it must have been hard for you yeah it was hard for me but it was never hard for me to love violet or joseph like the love was always there it was just getting your mind around the the whole whole thing but unfortunately that is not the case in a lot of families and probably um you know the other thing that mary pierre was saying was that when people um accept and they give unconditional love they give the strength of the laws of life to the person who's accepting the love. And um, what I am so proud of with uh, Violet is she, she makes a living online gaming, which, you know, when she was younger, we were always saying to get off the computer right? They're not real friends. <laughs> you have to get off the computer. Now we're all doing it. But anyway, um, she, um, she now has a very strong group of followers um, and makes her living from online gaming. But the majority of people who follow her are transgender people. And the, the thing that is especially uplifting for me is that Violet has has accepted unconditional love from us. She's secure, she's safe, and she acts as a, 
a council now to a lot of kids whose parents basically just shove them out the door and say, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't know how people can do that. And what that tells me is their love wasn't uh, unconditional. You can't unconditionally love somebody and reject them. You only can accept them. So that, that's been a very, very big uh, part of um, our family and growth. And uh, um, so that word acceptance, uh, that just uh, jumped out at me. But on another level, um, a little bit more trivial, but still a, a, a very um, significant thing is that, you know, my, I emigrated to Australia when, uh, before I had kids. I had all my kids in Australia and then we emigrated to Canada. So my parents and my uh, husband's parents were in the UK and um, we would go back to the UK and visit now, we have to understand is Alan came from a very working class background. His family lived in assisted living and um, they had a small house, but it was always spotless and tidy. And whenever we went there, it was like open arms, right? The kids would they would just get so spoiled. Like granddad would take them into the kitchen and put a dollop of cream on their hands and say, don't tell mom, right? They, they were like amazing grandparents. And then we had my family. My father had uh, remarried and uh, they had a big house and it too was spotless. But we were not welcome there as a family. They were always made us stay in a bed and breakfast or something away from the home. So my kids were always like, well, how come we can't stay at, at granddad's house? And I would sort of make excuses for them. Oh, well, you know, he's old and doesn't like the noise. And it wasn't him. It was his wife. But uh, nevertheless, that my, my dad allowed that to happen. And whereas in Alan's family, they, they accepted the kids. If the kids had the tantrum, well, they're just kids, right? If the kids had a tantrum at my parents, it was like, well, you should probably go home now. Or you should probably go back to the bed and breakfast. Or it was like totally conditional, totally. Who do you think my kids remember now? Right. I mean, my dad actually divorced the lady he was married with. And uh, we got my my youngest daughter, Susie, did get to have a better relationship. But but my dad was not good at unconditional love. It was always even growing up. You know, if you achieved a certain level, it was OK. And if you didn't. I look at my brother, he must have had such a hard time because I was a high achiever and my brother really wasn't interested in academics. Um, and I think as parents, we have to be so careful the pressures that we put on our children. We have to love them for who they are, not for what they do. And uh, I think sometimes parents get a little bit mixed up in, uh, in that story. So those are just a couple of instances that um, having unconditional love can strengthen you, uh, whereas having uh, conditional love me makes you wary 
of of where you are and what you're doing. And uh, I'm so glad that my children had at least one set of grandparents that were unconditional because otherwise living so far away from them and just going back occasionally, they might've thought that was the, the norm. I think it might youngest daughter who just got married she keeps saying to me oh mom I can't wait to have children and and I like say to her well don't think I'm gonna look after them like that's not I'm not that sort of grandparent but she knows that you know when it happens for sure I'm gonna be open and and give any grandchildren unconditional love I just have to keep the story going at the moment so um there is a story in Covey's book, which is about um, a, a dean of a school. And uh, it's a very prestigious school. And the dean um, is desperate for his son to go to this school. And so during his um, career, he puts loads of money aside. He's always talking about the school. He's always, you know, filling... Um, uh, what a great opportunity it would be to be go there, blah, 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 right? And so um, he says, oh, it's going to give you great connections. You're going to be set up in the world. And and I got a bit confused when I was reading it because in England, schools finish at age 18 and the universities start. At, but this is about a university kid, I think, right? Uh, he wants him to go to one of the prestigious uh, universities. So... Um, Anyway, when he got to the stage, the kid says to his dad, well, I don't want to go to that school. And so the dad is like, yeah, but it's a great school. You can have great opportunities. Um, you're going to have uh, good connections. It's going to be an asset to you. And anyway, it's a family tradition. It's the third generation that's gone to that school. And so the kid is like saying, well, this is more about what you want. This is more about um, uh, how it looks. This is, you know, this is not about what I want. And I feel that your end in mind is that I go to the school, not that I have a good experience at college. I mean, he didn't make such a, a detailed analysis, but that's basically where this was going. So he was getting further and further away from his parents. And so the father, who was an extremely bright man, said, this is not right. We're not doing this right. And so him and his wife, they said, okay. And I, I had to do this with my daughter as well, with Susie. Um, I wanted her to go to McGill. She was super bright. No, I don't want to go to McGill. I want to go to Concordia. And I'm like, but you'll have more connections at McGill. You know, I went through the whole thing. I even got her an interview with a prof from McGill, right? Anyway, so I know exactly what it's like. And Alan and I did exactly the same as these parents. We said, hang on a minute. Susie, or in this case, this boy, is more important than what we want. So let's back off. Let's talk to, uh, let's say, Susie, whatever you want to do, and in this case, the boy, whatever you want to do, that's what we want. We want you to be happy in your life, to be fulfilled in your life, and, um, and to go to whichever school you want. Now, in the case of these parents, they were lucky. Their kid 
okay, he said, Yvette, at one time he said, well, I'm not going to that school. So the parents said, oh, but anyway, we'll let that go. But because they backed off and because they um, have obviously filled his mind with how great this school was and he did his own research, eventually he, he applied to go to the school. So that was good. In my case, my daughter did not go to McGill and still went to, to uh, Concordia. But having said that, we have a fabulous relationship. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, your kids have to make their way in the world. And if they don't necessarily do what you want, you have to accept them for who they are. And they will come to the realization eventually that, oh, maybe I should have done that. But anyway, that's that's uh, down the track. Um, but um, so in, in this way, the parents learned that having unconditional love for their child, putting his end in mind of being happy and achieving what he wanted to do was way more important than their end in mind of having a child to went, that went to this uh, prestigious uh, university. So um, that sort of, uh, I think, Marie-Pierre, you have some examples of some of the things that we might do and say as people, yes? Yes. But first, I want to say thank you to uh, you, Melanie Miller. I really love and you're so generous in your example. I'm so happy that we did that part of the book together this morning. I'm so happy. Thank you. So, yes, we have some, some example of things that, yes, we say maybe during a fight when it's not a good time. But I know we all love unconditionally and but sometimes we can say something that can be interpreted as I don't love you. So, for example, in a fight, maybe in the past you have said to someone, I hate you. I think it's something that everybody <laughs> said in the past. But now, if you look back, of course, you didn't want to say I hate you. But probably it was I hate this situation or I hate this behavior. And not I hate you, but in the fight, when you said that, the other person just understand she hate me, she don't love me. Mm -hmm. So it's not unconditional love, but it's not something that you wanted to say. But during a fight, it's not a good moment. Sometimes we say something that we don't want to say, but just to say it differently. So maybe with uh, your daughter, I think it's the... <laughs> The thing that every mom can relate to that, that you see your daughter and she's going out and you say, mm, that's not something that she should dress as. And so you don't want to say to her, you're a slut. But <laughs> instead, it's, I feel that the way you dress will attract people not good for you. But sometimes you can say it um, as something that she can understand as you don't love her. So it's really important to uh, think about what you want to say to make sure that she understands that you love her and it's not uh, because you don't love her that you you are saying this to her. Or if you your kids behave badly, I think we all hear that, that words everywhere. You're a bad boy or you're a bad girl when you didn't want to say that the person is bad, but the behavior you did is bad. So it's all things that 
during the day, every day, it's something that, yes, we hear, but it's not something that we really wanted to say because we all love unconditionally our family, our friends. So it's not something that you wanted to say, but sometimes you say it anyway. So just uh, consider this uh, how it can be another perspective, how you will be dealing with your family and your friends and just to make sure that yes if you have a child that is filled with negative energy now you can really help him to become the better version of himself so what would happen if rather than labeling this child based on the current behavior you were to affirm the unseen potential and love unconditionally so i really love that saying that is treat a man as he is and he will remain as he is Treat a man as he can and should be, and he will become as he can and should be. I really love that. So we yeah. just want to say we can create the unity to uh, run an effective business, business and family, marriage, everything. So you can, uh, it really requires a great personal strength and courage and no amount of technical and administrative skill in laboring for the masses can make up for a lack of nobility of personal character in developing relationships. So it is very essential on one-on-one -on -one level that we live the primary laws of love and life so we can build people with the laws of love. So that's all we wanted to uh, talk about this morning. I really love that chapter. <laughs> I'm sure that everyone loved it. So if you didn't share, please share the podcast this morning. I think that everyone should listen to that just to say, yes, I love everyone around me and take the time today to say it and make sure to look at your vocabulary when you talk with the people around you, that you make sure that everyone knows that they, you really love them every, uh, every day. So thank you for listening this morning. Have a great weekend and we'll see you on Monday morning. Goodbye, tomorrow. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thanks for being here. Phew! <sighs> that, that was good. Ah, the time went fast this morning. I guess when you tell stories, it's... Uh...